This was another place that I kind of was fleeing to, to maybe just keep avoiding that part of me. And then in a weird way, it kind of ended up staring me straight in the face. And I definitely credit uh, UConn in many ways with helping me get to that point. This is Frisky. North of 60. We bring you stories about love love and dating dating in the the North. I'm your host, Karen McCall, and I'm joined by co-host... Jordan Patrick. We are recording in Whitehorse, Yukon, north of the 60th parallel. Where it is winter, seven whole months of the year. And it's not just a way of life, dog mushing. It's also a way to meet chicks. Hey, it's been a year we've been doing this. Yeah, I mean, we've only been... um, we launched our podcast about three months ago, but it was sort of at the beginning of COVID that you and I started meeting in your off-grid cabin from two meters apart, yeah. um, talking about dating in the north. Yeah. Wow. What is what is a year brought to you, Karen? I mean, in well, regards let's to- start with you because I feel like you've got some of the more like um, bigger life changes. For example, actually someone asked me to, the other day about your off-grid cabin and I was like, well, we should tell people. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit more urban now. Yeah. Jordan's no longer living off-grid. Um, Jordan bought a house in town um, in the summer and the dating has uh, brought me to a place where I met somebody who happens to have two wonderful little kids and she and I have decided to move in together. And so it's been a couple weeks of this and um, being uh, playing the dad role um, is something new to me. So it's, it's, really, it's really interesting and really engaging and life shifting. Priorities get rearranged as any parent would, would be able to say. But uh, yeah, things are really great and really exciting. Yeah, it seems like one day you were telling me you met someone and then it was like, I'm in love with this person. And then then she was moving in and then like, wow, my eyes are wide open. I'm very impressed and excited for you. I'm also very surprised, you know, that things have come this way, but very grateful. Love is unpredictable. It's a great place to be. And uh, okay, so how about you, Karen? Well, uh, a few episodes ago, uh, my friend Ellery, um, who's a big skier, she said her skis are like her boyfriend. It was a joke. But I feel like this podcast has kind of become my my boyfriend, like not literally, but in the sense that it's like something that I kind of spend a lot of time working on and I get a lot of fulfillment from. And, and so um, I guess I haven't had as many obvious changes in my life in the past year. I did start a new job, which I really like. Um, but yeah, just like I have a full satisfying life at the moment and I have been sort of dating here and there. Um, but it's not a priority, I guess. Mm. I mean, like I'm, I'm like looking forward to meeting somebody. Uh, lately I've been going on Tinder and then kind of questioning why, because I'm like, I don't even have time to meet up with someone for the next like two weeks. Well, <laughs> speaking of Tinder, that's how I met my partner, but it was it a, a similar to you. Is it a time where I was just kind of open to not looking for anything particular and my life was very full and not, you know, just was like, all right, well, let's see what kind of connections come about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, you meet you meet someone. Sometimes it takes up that space, mm-hmm. um, and you make the space for it. 
but uh, yeah, it's a it's a good place to be. And you know, this is your little baby boyfriend project that is doing really well. We're at about what three thousand listens now. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Pretty excited about the the feedback and whatnot we've had. So. Yeah. And also, I guess through this podcast, it's just such a learning opportunity from all the people we've spoken to. Like, I'm so grateful for the people who've reached out to us and just the, the honesty and the people who've been, um, yeah, just sharing their stories with us and the amount that I have learned and sort of like even changed my perspective on relationships from talking to all these people. That's something that's kind of unexpected to me, I guess, about this podcast journey. Right. And I, I almost feels like we're kind of building this start of a little community around this podcast. Like I heard that, you know, I heard from someone and I can't really place where this was, but that they spent their evening rather than talking about their book club, they were talking about their, our podcast. Oh, wow. That's so lovely. <laughs> you know, it's like, I guess the book wasn't really that great, but, uh, <laughs> it varies but uh yeah you know like that's really humbling and exciting to be part of this uh, conversation Mm -hmm. yeah so um we're so excited about people getting in touch with us and wanting to come on the show we're just providing feedback about it um we love it when you contact us so please keep doing that I'm also really excited about today's episode it's with uh jason and he's someone who actually i got connected with through kind of a mutual friend who's like, you should have Jason on the podcast. He'd be super awesome. Um, so he talks to us about the uh, queer dating scene in the Yukon and also how the Yukon actually enabled him to kind of like become his like true self, which is a really neat story. So yeah, let's go to that now. So uh, you moved up here in 2016 for a job and um, yeah, what was your first uh impression of the dating scene up here i mean to be honest when i first moved up here i was um i wasn't out yet and so i wasn't dating and i was i had a lot of demons that i was still grappling with uh yukon was a place another place i was sort of escaping to in many ways so i came up for a job and um i had at that point no plans to come out or really to sort of face the the challenges that needed facing um, so it wasn't something I explored for at least six or eight months. I was meeting friends. I was sort of transitioning from out, you know, amateur outdoorsman who didn't really even know how to chop wood or start a fire into someone who could, you know, paddle somewhat confidently from the bow at first and then the stern and, you know, hike Caribou Mountain. And, uh, yeah. So my, my first impressions of the Yukon were more about, you know, just the, the beautiful nature that we have and uh, yeah, they're really interesting community of eclectic people who are just so uh, authentically themselves up here. So how did how you present yourself start to change? So I guess that um, moving to a place that I found to be, yeah, just so genuine. I found, um, I just have a real strong sense of community from the Yukon. It was the thing that struck me from the beginning was that uh, you got to know people very, very quickly. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of a huge entertainment scene up here. So, uh, it was, you know, potlucks and hikes and saunas and just really close time together. And, um, I reached the point where I needed to, yeah, be fully myself and sort of just be honest with the friends I had started to make up here. And, uh, so it sort of reached a point where, um, yeah, I needed to come out and tell people and kind of jump into the dating scene. Yeah. Here in Whitehorse. 
How did that feel to finally be out? Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually best encapsulated like through two different little like mini stories or experiences that I had. Um, it was like the winter time and I hadn't come out yet, but like I could, I could sense that it was like, okay, it's time to deal with this stuff. And like, you know, and, and my friends and I, we had decided to go to the Liard Hot Springs for, yeah, it was like January, February was like very cold. And, um, like, I'm sorry. And the Liard Hot Springs is what, like eight or 10 hours from Whitehorse. It's a long way. I mean, it's past Watson Lake. Yeah, it's past Watson Lake. I mean, if you have like born and raised friends who drive really fast on the icy winter roads, then you can probably do it in seven hours, which we did. But um, yeah, and for my money, it's, I guess it's not in the Yukon, but it's like, it's the best Yukon experience. I mean, it's just the most delightful natural hot springs. And uh, yeah, I could go on. We should do a, a Liard Hot Springs podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, in any case, so we took a road trip there. And um, when I spoke about like, sort of the the closeness of the bonds you make in the community in, in the Yukon. I think road trips are another sort of element of like, you know, whether it's a road trip or a backcountry trip, you just spend so much like intense time together. And I remember being in that car with three or four friends for that seven or eight hour trip and like fearing like for the life of me that like dating or relationships or whatever come up because I had just made these friends, you know, in the last six or eight months since I had moved here and Obviously, I was still hiding a big piece of myself that I had hidden from everyone. And it's really easy when you're outside of a car and like, yeah, in a restaurant or at home and like a difficult topic comes up and you can kind of like sneak off to the bathroom or change, you know, there are ways to get around that. When you are in a car driving from Whitehorse to <laughs> Leard Hot Springs for eight hours, um, yeah, I remember just cringing, being like, oh, please don't like, don't ask personal questions. Let's not go there. I don't want to discuss this. And um, yeah, it was awful. It's an awful place to be when you're not comfortable with yourself and, you know, have things that you are desperately hiding with all of your might. At this point in the story, my recorder memory card filled up. And so um, we did continue the interview, but we didn't realize that we missed the end of this story. So just this next short segment, uh, Jason sent me after the fact. So you will just notice a slight difference in audio quality and tone. And then fast forward a few months later, after I had pretty much told everyone in my life, including um, my Yukon friends, and some of us took a road trip uh, up to Faro for the Sheep and Crane Festival. And that road trip was was just a completely different experience being in that vehicle because um, I didn't have to worry anymore about dating or relationships coming up. Um, everyone in the car knew I was gay. We were all cool with it. And it was the kind of relief that I could only feel because I had experienced for so long the flip side of it and that the total intense anxiety of trying to hide something about yourself and being worried about being put on the spot um so i often look back on those two different road trips as kind of being i don't know symbolic of the the change that happened and just how great it was to finally be able to enjoy um all of the aspects of yukon adventuring including the intense social confines so before coming out, you had known that you were gay for quite some time, but you just weren't ready to come out? Yeah, that's accurate. It was, uh, I mean, it's probably a different podcast. We can we can do the mental health podcast another time, maybe. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of fear and a lot of shame and a lot of, yeah, turmoil to get over. And um, like I said, I didn't plan on dealing with it in the Yukon. This was another place that I kind of was fleeing to 
to maybe just keep avoiding that part of me. And then in a weird way, it kind of ended up staring me straight in the face. And I definitely credit uh, UConn in many ways with helping me get to that point where I really just wanted to be open with people and open with myself um, and take those first steps. And then once you start taking those steps and you start telling people, then for me, at least it was just, you know, a snowball gathering momentum over and over again. And, and uh, yeah, it was just probably as I look back on it, the the best few months of my life, finally having all those conversations. I had a friend who, who told me that it, it was like kind of a, a flower coming into their full expression sort of thing, which is kind of a really gay thing to say, but uh, it felt really appropriate. So I came into my full expression in the Yukon in the summer of 2017. Which, I mean, I think when a lot of people think of the Yukon, we don't really think of it as the most progressive place. I mean, there's sort of like a mix. And you'd lived in Toronto, you'd lived in London, England, where there's like huge communities of gay people. So like, what, do you find that surprising that it was like the Yukon that, that was your sort of like turning point? Yeah, I mean, personally, I never do things in the proper order. I I tend to, you know, learn a lot of lessons the hard way in life. And so this really wasn't any different. But I think for me, it it was the idea of it kind of being impossible to hide in a small community. It's really easy to sort of blend in in bigger cities where I'd lived, like Toronto and, and London, um, and to just kind of, yeah, more easily fall into the background and blend in and not really sort of be called on on who you are or what your identity is. So for me, um, yeah, the Yukon did that for me. It, it really forced me to kind of face up to things and and take those connections and the friendships I had made to the next level. And um, it's also just such an inspiring place to live, you know, after going on, you know, paddling trips and, and doing the Chilkoot Pass. And uh, we did a sea kayaking trip in Glacier Bay that summer, like all of these sort of big moments sort of kind of started giving me the courage to kind of take the, the yeah, personal steps I needed to take. So it sounds like you developed some good friendships. And at that point, were you also getting to know some people in the queer community here? Um, yeah, I mean... Um, once I started taking that step and, and, and speaking with people and, and becoming honest, um, you start realizing that, you know, the world is just a lot, my friend says, you know, the world is a lot queerer than you think it is. Um, and, and maybe especially in the Yukon where people want to sort of try to pass as straight maybe a bit more to kind of, uh, because this is kind of a, a bit of a rough and tumble place, I guess. Um, but once you start looking around and, and making those contacts, contacts and putting yourself out there, then yeah, I started making connections and, and asking other folks what their experiences were and getting advice on how to talk to friends and family about it. And yeah, those 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 first few conversations with people were, were really key in kind of finding some mentors who could uh, yeah help me through it. For queer people, wherever they are, you, you, you kind of want to find your, I don't know, find your tribe, find your people. There is, there is that, um, yeah, sense of solidarity with, you know, with people who've been, you know, historically alienated or not felt like they belong. Yeah, you want to you want to find your people. So, yeah, wherever you live, when I when I first came out, I don't think I even realized how much I needed that or wanted that. So, uh when I moved to Toronto after coming out, it was like I joined the gay volleyball league. I was like, where's the gay board game club? And so, fortunately in big cities, there are those luxuries that there's enough people that you can sort of have these little micro communities based on interests. Um, unfortunately, it's not the same in the Yukon, but still people do still find to, you know, manage to find each other uh, regardless. I guess one of the unfortunate things about, yeah, being queer in the Yukon is that um, there aren't those queer spaces where you can sort of, yeah, 
meet other people like you and then kind of operate in a really sort of fully relaxed way of if you're interested in someone, then, you know, going up to them, expressing interest. That's that's the benefit of having, you know, you know, gay bars and queer clubs and just spaces where it's like fully safe to be yourself. So it it is more challenging if, you know, like I'm at the CGC, like like the gym and like I see someone that like maybe like makes quick eye contact although that's even tricky with the masks now it's like um and then you're like ah are they into me are they not into me because um it can just be a little less safe as a queer person you know maybe going and trying to strike up a conversation with that person if you're mistaken and they you know and they're not gay and they take offense to that so yeah that is just another kind of thing that people in the queer community have to be yeah i guess just aware of that feels just sort of inherently unfair that you know by expressing who we are, we might, yeah, unintentionally, uh, you know, go down the wrong road. <laughs> you mentioned a moment ago, uh, the world is queerer than you think, um, which is a lovely expression. Uh, but the real reality in the Yukon here, um, I mean, amongst my straight friends were often commenting on the limited numbers of people to date. Um, and this would be even more pronounced in the, the queer community. So uh, what's been your experience of that? Yeah, that was definitely a big shock, especially for someone who, okay, so I just come out of the closet and I'm like, woohoo, like, let's all be gay and let's all have fun. So, you know, I start downloading the apps and I'm super excited. And then quickly within, you know, a few minutes of swiping, I realized that, uh, yeah, the pool had dried up. And um, so I weirdly had to start like rationing my swipes. That was a weird experience of uh, having to be like, okay, you get like three swipes a day or else you'll run out very quickly. So um, yeah, I mean, what were 38,000 people here in the territory, roughly? More like 42,000. When you're this small, every person counts. So it's a smaller community. And um yeah, I think there are there are great things about that, and then of course there are there are limitations in that. Um, you have to sort of, yeah, think outside of of your usual parameters. Maybe not have such a narrowly defined type, and yeah, just be willing to yeah consider more options than you might otherwise consider, which I think is is a healthy thing. Moving from you know, I just came from Toronto, where it's a, a much bigger city, and I find a lot of people are sort of window shopping. And, uh, you know, will be really, really particular about what they're looking for and sort of not cons- not considering anything outside of those narrowly defined borders. And I think it can often lead to just a, a lot of unhappiness and, and frustration. And um, so I do think there's the potential for maybe more, um, I don't want to say authentic connection, but... M- yeah, more of a sort of healthy, organic getting to know someone in a more fulsome way when, when yeah, the conditions are, are as they are. One of the uh, things about dating in the North or queer dating in the North that, um, you know, you can't necessarily be wedded to, like, I need the long-term relationship, like, I need the one. Um, and as someone who's, I don't know, maybe I'm just kind of, like, a boring, like, I just want, like a monogamous like me and you let's cuddle and hang out and just like have fun and be a couple um I think even myself I've had to sort of maybe rethink whether that's like feasible or you know maybe that's not as possible so um maybe it means accepting the idea of more like something more casual or like a hookup or yeah considering someone else who might 
also have a primary partner and then, you know, they're doing this other thing as long as it's ethical and open. I think that, yeah, especially queer dating in the North, that might be something that you have to consider if, you know, if other things aren't working for you. This is uh, something that my friend mentioned. This is like third hand, but basically her gay friend was kind of making fun of her about how like straight people are so uptight about dating other people's exes. But this person was saying like in the gay community, you don't have a choice because it's smaller. Is that something that you've come across up here as well? Is there just more openness about that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Like I've been on, I think maybe three dates in the last, yeah, in the last three months. And um, once you start talking about who else is in sort of the the gay community up here? It's like the, everyone knows everyone knows everyone, and oh yeah, like I met that person, I went on a date with that person, like I might have even hooked up with that person. It's um, yeah, it's really just sort of like no big deal. It's like no skin off your teeth. It's yeah, you, you cannot get hung up on the fact that everyone knows everyone because yeah, it's it's such a small such a small community. So that's just it just sort of comes with the territory. Whereas in a bigger city. Uh, it's way less likely that that you would come across someone that you might know or who's you know who might have dated your best friend or something. So you lived here a year, a year and a half, and then you moved, uh, I guess, to Toronto for a few mm-hmm. years. So you just moved back, I guess. What was it like three months ago or something? And so, what's your experience been like uh, using dating apps in the Yukon? Yeah, I mean, I would say that the two dating apps that I feel are most commonly used, at least amongst uh, gay men here in the Yukon are, well, Tinder and Grindr. And I often think it's funny because I'll talk to my straight friends and they'll st- sort of still be embarrassed about meeting someone on Tinder. And I'll have to point out that like, like in the gay community, that's like our classy one. <laughs> um, so it's like the one of like hot romance, but uh, whereas, whereas Grindr might be more equivalent to like Tinder for straight people. So, I mean, it's, it's all, it's all relative, I guess. Um, yeah. I would say things aren't as active on Tinder. Um, and so, uh, within a few days, I had already been told by Tinder to go global, which I found a bit rich during a pandemic that I had swiped through and they were they were finished with options. And uh, yeah, it was like a spinning circle that said, like, why don't you go global? And I said no. And um, and they didn't like that answer. So the people at Tinder started just showing me uh, other folks from far off lands. Um, and then once I started swiping, I clued into their distance. And so I matched with a few people from Kuala Lumpur. Uh, who I haven't been able to meet up with yet. But uh, so I'm still waiting for a a refresh. It's been a few weeks since I've had a new option on Tinder. Um, And then when it comes to Grindr, yeah, it's an interesting scene. Um, People are very, people can still be very private about their sexuality. So I think there is a certain degree of, um, yeah, people keeping their their identity uh, and that side of themselves uh, more private. So a lot of people on that particular app will have, you know, a profile photos that don't have their faces or just a blank profile photo, or they'll, they'll not want to share things like their name or their information. And as someone who is now just fully themselves and transparent and, you know, I have really nothing to hide, that can be a bit frustrating when you really want to get to know someone, but they're really hesitant on sharing basic information about themselves because maybe they're still in the closet or maybe... Maybe they have a partner. I mean, within the queer community, there is, tends to be a bit more, um, you know, ethical non-monogamy or open relationships. So people's situations, I find, are just a bit more diverse or maybe unconventional compared to, you know, the straight world. So navigating those sorts of things can be a, an extra, yeah, an extra item, an extra hurdle, I guess. Um, 
this is a bit embarrassing, but I mean, I feel like I'd like to share it. I, you know, with Tinder, there's like the distance thing. And I think their maximum distance, I feel like I'm embarrassed that I know this, is like maybe 160 kilometers. I know it too. Okay. It's quite, and it's quite obscure because it reaches like just to Skagway or yes. something. Yeah. And so one time I realized that like, I get bursts of activity at certain points in time. And like, this was in the summer and I would see like, just like a bunch of new guys that would pop up on the app and they were all like performers and entertainers and like artists and just really cool guys. And I was like, why like every few days are there just like a new crew of people that are all sort of in the entertainment profession coming up to Skagway. And it was the cruise ships. It was like the cruise ship crew. And of course, like it makes sense. A lot of like gay actors and performers and musical theater types entertaining all the old timers, you know, set in sail in Alaska. And so uh, there's just this weird kind of occasional burst of activity. Um, I'm sad to say I never did like the like, you know, drive to Skagway to meet up for a week. You know, I kind of regret never having done that. And during COVID now, I guess that's not really an option anymore. But um, yeah, it was kind of fun to imagine uh, going to Skagway for a weekend to meet someone on a cruise ship. That could have been fun. Maybe let's add that to the bucket list. Um, and then the other, uh, yeah, more embarrassing thing was that, so we reached to Skagway with a 160-ish kilometer distance meter, but we don't quite get to Haynes. And I have really have a soft spot for Haynes. And I, so, you know, one time... I did drive like to where I calculated I would be in like the Haynes catchment to just see what the people were like in Haynes. So I think I had to drive to maybe like the cutoff or maybe a bit towards Carcross to like get Haynes within the Tinder pool of options. So that was kind of a, a fun, a fun yet embarrassing um, moment in queer dating. Sadly, I didn't match successfully with anyone from Haynes and I'm still awaiting the Haynes romance. I feel like everything, like all your quote embarrassing stories are like things that I've either done or thought about doing, or I'm like, oh, I should do that. That's a great idea. <laughs> so, um, okay. So you didn't successfully match with someone in Haines, Alaska, but you did match with someone somewhere else. Tell us that story. One of the best highlights was, was like finding someone in Atlin, which I think is a crazy thing to like meet someone randomly in Atlin, like a very tiny music festival, uh, which then sort of became like a bit of a, a bit of a summer romance. So that was, uh, yeah, aside from all the, the cool outdoor adventures, there was actually a bit of romance then as well. I would like to do a whole episode about hookups at music festivals. <laughs> but, um, so Atlin, community of uh, 400 people, two hours south of Whitehorse. Um, so you met someone who was like spending the summer in Atlin or living there? Uh, well, we were both living in Whitehorse, and so it just, I mean, as we all know, like, Whitehorse goes to Atlin for that weekend, <laughs> and uh, so we were both there. Uh, he was a friend of a friend. I didn't know he was gay at the beginning and actually mentioned to a, a female friend of mine, like, oh, like, what about him? And she pointed out that, like, oh, I think you would actually be a better match for him, and uh, that was Friday, and sure enough, by Saturday, uh, we had been able to match, so, uh, um Yeah. And then the craziest thing was that, I mean, I don't know what it is about me and Atlin, but the next year, next year um, managed to also like find a bit of romance at the Atlin Music Festival. So, I mean, what does that say? I guess I should just go to Atlin every year, really. Yeah, I was just thinking, I like probably a lot of music festivals aren't happening again this year. I don't know. I haven't heard about Atlin specifically, but yeah, that sounds like Atlin's your jam. So it's definitely. my jam. The, uh, I mean, the story with the second year, um, 
my friend and I were driving, we were about to drive out to Atlin on the Friday. We stopped for Big Bear Donair, which people in Whitehorse will know of. Um, and there was this guy and what I assumed was maybe like, a, yeah, just a girlfriend of his. And they were, they were hanging out in line for Donairs. And he definitely caught my attention. And um, I pointed out to my friend like, oh, he's quite like good looking. And we just had sort of a chat about him. Didn't think anything else of it. And we get in the van to, to make the drive, like the two, two and a half hour drive to Atlin. And then I pull up, yeah, I think it was Grinder, and the same guy had messaged me. And the weird thing about Grinder is that it has this like uh, distance meter. It will tell you like someone is like five meters away or 10 meters away. So we had been like, yeah, you know, 10 meters away from each other. And we had a good laugh about the fact that we each thought the other, that they you know, might have been a girlfriend of the other. Like we just didn't think that, you know, that the other person was gay. And, um, so as we're driving to Atlin, like I knew that I was going to lose like data really, really quickly. Like we were going to be out of service range. So we were trying to have this rapid fire conversation about like, how long are you in town for? Like, do la, da, da, da. so I surmised that he was just visiting Yukon for a few weeks, but he had planned on going to the festival and like, he might see me there. He might not. Their plans were still loose. And so the last message I, I sent before like service drop was like, okay, maybe see you in Atlin. And so uh, when I arrived, I sort of like gave his physical description like to all my friends, like keep your eye out for this character. And, um, and then so for the next day, we were all sort of keeping our eyes out. And then lo and behold, like Saturday afternoon, sort of like word started spreading around people. They think they had spotted him. And we saw him like approaching our picnic table near the lake. And uh, yeah, it was cool. It was fun to sort of have that surprise. There was no Wi-Fi. There was no way he could tell me he had arrived. And we just found each other. So that was fun. I love that. That makes me smile. It's just so like small town and so great of like putting out the network of like people looking for him. That's so good. It it did feel like high school. Like not that I had was able to have those great experiences in high school, but it did kind of have this sort of high school vibe of like, like, do you have a crush on him? Like, I think he likes me. Like he might show up here. And, and yeah. And then sort of us having to kind of do this awkward sort of dance of like, Hey, Hey, like nice seeing you again. And then trying to find some private time. So it was fun. I feel like actually none of us really grow out of our like high school like immaturity around crushes and dating and that whole dance. So yeah, don't worry about that. Um, another thing I wanted to talk to you about is the uh, date you went on with the person from Dawson City. So in the Yukon, it's not unusual for people from the smaller communities to uh, seek out dates when they come into Whitehorse, which is the big old city. Uh, so Dawson is 500 kilometers north of Whitehorse. It has a population of about 2,200 people. Um, and so, yeah, I'd just like to hear about uh, that date you went on and, and how that worked out. Yeah, I mean, what a roller coaster. Something that started off so well and then ended in, in disaster, maybe disasters and a bit of an uh, exaggeration, but um, he was traveling up from Dawson for, I think just for a few days in Whitehorse, had like business to attend to, you know, people come to Whitehorse to do paperwork, I guess, and or fill out forms. And, um, you know, he was very open about the fact that he was just here for a little bit of time, wanted to go on a few dates and meet people. And, um, you know, not necessarily what I'm looking for, but again, we have to, you know, adjust our expectations. So yeah, I rolled the dice going in with really sort of, yeah, moderate expectations. And it was like, one of the best dates I'd ever been on and was like, this is fantastic. Like then I started like dreaming up ideas in my mind of like, I could date someone from Dawson. Like it's only a seven out. I mean, who am I like 2009 car might struggle to like make the trip on the little, you know, 
non-studded, uh, you know, summer tires, but we could make it work. And, um, and so he was going to be in town for a few days and we planned to meet up a few days later and like continue having a great time and getting to know each other. And we continued texting for a few days and then he started dropping hints that like maybe he wouldn't be able to meet up again. And I knew that he, you know, he was coming from an even smaller community where he likely didn't have much chance to date and so was coming to a bigger city where, you know, he wanted to meet a lot of different people. And um, so the day we were supposed to meet up for like dinner and kind of a nice romantic evening, um, he weirdly asked if we could switch it to lunch plans. And I sort of started poking around like, like, why lunch are you like, are you leaving earlier? Is like something changed? And he was being really kind of cagey about it and was like, no, let's just meet for like lunch. And then I sort of pressed him on it and he was like, yeah, I went on another date and it was a better match than you. <laughs> and uh, that was a bit crushing because I thought we had a really, really great connection. So um, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a slap in the face and I, I declined the lunch plans. I felt like I was sort of like promised the headline spot and then got bumped to kind of like the opening act. And uh, yeah, a, a consolation lunch didn't feel like a great much of a consolation prize. So <clears throat> I turned down the lunch and I hope he had a lovely time with the, uh, with the headline act. That's kind of you. And um, yeah, but yeah, disappointing for sure. We've all been there, but yeah. disappointing. And I don't know, I guess he was honest after you kind of prodded it out of him. It was one of those um, moments where you appreciate the transparency, but you still have to acknowledge that you feel hurt. So um, he ended up being honest and telling me, you know, he was upfront from the beginning that he was going on a number of dates. And initially he said, we had a great connection, hope to meet again. Um, and I guess I have to respect the fact that he was honest with his feelings and made another choice. And it d definitely hurt me. But um yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, I went through the stages of like, what? And, you know, maybe like, maybe if I negotiate with them, we can, you know, I think I went through the, those few little stages and then it eventually was like, no, it's all, it's all good. And, uh, had to like, you know, delete and block. So as not to tempt, I think maybe we all do that with like the things that don't go well. It's like, you have to erase the memory of them on your phone so that you don't 24 hours later, try to be like, you know, ask for more of an explanation or maybe tell them off or it's just better to once it's over, just erase all trace of them, I think. So that's what I did. Totally been there. <laughs> uh, let's just uh, for the last moment here, like look ahead. How are you feeling about like dating going forward? We're in early March now. Um, people are starting to get vaccinated. It's like, are you are you feeling optimistic about potentially dating in the Yukon in the next few months? Yeah, I, I am, but I also think that it's so healthy not to sort of put all your eggs in that basket. Um, I've gone through waves of like not dating at all to the you know, like 51st dates, like scheduling them all in into the week. And I think there's a happy medium of like, yeah, I mean, go on a, you know, a few dates a month, you know, don't make it the main focal point of your life and then allow yourself to be pleasantly surprised when it does when it does work out so that's sort of the stage I'm at is um yeah just sort of a reasonable amount of you know using the online apps and maybe even meeting people in real life like how great would that be and uh not putting a lot of pressure on it so yeah I'm glad that uh it's summertime and we're not in the like 
September scramble, as I've heard UConn friends term it when it's like winter's coming and you feel the pressure of having to lock down a cuddle buddy. Uh, summer's way more hopeful and way less pressure because if you don't find someone, at least you have the glorious UConn summer and spring to, to look ahead to. That is such a perfect note to end on. So thank you so much for your time. It's been so fun chatting with you. Great. Thanks, Karen. This episode was recorded and produced in Whitehorse, Yukon by me, Karen McCall. Jordan Patrick is my co-host and he made our music. And just to let you know, spring has sprung in the Yukon, which means it's time to play outside. So a little bit less time for podcasting. So starting right away, we'll be releasing episodes once every two weeks. Thanks for listening. Stay frisky.